and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Maya Sharp. Now Maya is a singer-songwriter with an over 25-year career in the industry. She's worked with the likes of Cher, Bonnie Raitt, Trisha Yearwood, Lisa Loeb, and Art Carfunkel. Her latest album, Reckless Thoughts, comes out August 18th. It's her first album since 2021, Mercury Rising. It stays in the family because her father is Grammy-winning songwriter Randy Sharp, and he's also produced some of her music. I ask her if they've had a complicated relationship working together, having the dad hat and the producer hat. She's also involved with Songwriting for Soldiers, a project that Darden Smith, a former guest of the show, created. And she's been heavily involved with the program. They have connected hundreds of veterans and military families, which they create like a safe and inspiring environment to share their experiences. And they write songs with writers, including Maya. She talks about that experience. I've been a fan of Maya for quite some time right now. Really enjoy my interview with her, and I hope you do as well. So Maya, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. So, uh, I mean, I can go so many different ways with you. I've been a fan of yours for quite some time, but your last album, Mercury Rising, I love it. It's 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 brilliant. Um, a lot of turbulent things are going on in your life during that time. I guess we can discuss the music in a sec. But when you have like, you know, kind of negative things going on in your life, is that easier to write for than like somewhat like positive things? <laughs> uh yeah they are it is a little bit easier for me to write in those times but i think even more than that when there's a lot of changes happening it's easier for me to write there's just more experiences that i can draw on um and yeah the beginning of 2019 was uh the start of pretty much everything changed i moved i left my relationship kind of didn't know how i was gonna you know, make things work here. I had already started a, you know, uh, started a plan here in Nashville. I had been coming here to write for, you know, maybe three or four times a year for like the last 20 years or so. So I had a community started, but I wasn't really sure how that was going to look if I lived here, how I'm really going to make ends meet. Um, and just all of the changes. I never thought I was going to move out of California. There's actually a song about that on the new record. Okay. It's like I kind of shocked. I kind of shocked myself with like mm. leaving this place that I thought I was going to be a lifer. And you right. know, um, yeah. So I think just you know, you know, just the the ups and downs and the tumultuousness of it. Um, it I find it easier to write. Yeah. When all, you know, when all of that stuff is going on. Right. Do you think that goes, I mean, you, you can't really speak for every songwriter out there, but do you think that's pretty much the majority for, for most songwriters? Uh, the songwriters that I hang out with, yes, I think it <laughs> is. And I think also we're all just drawn to the sadder songs or something about that. Maybe they they uh, meet you more where you are or they help you to not feel alone. Um, I've always like you know if a song is really upbeat and happy i'll i'll enjoy it but it's not the song that i repeat over and right. over and over yeah. that's usually the one that's got some angst in it and a little right. bit of sorrow and i think it, at least my circle of friends i think that's probably true yeah. for all of them. yeah right now how many songs like have you like 
I don't know, like written that you kind of the sad song, the lyrics are really emotional, but you kind of, you know, make the music upbeat. So you kind of hide the angst. Right. Yeah. I, I do consciously try to give you a little bit of a twist where the music and the lyric probably won't match exactly. There's right. something a little crazy about that, but also yeah. something that, um, I don't know. It's something that I'm drawn to in other people's music. So yeah, if the lyric is intensely sad, the music will not be just like, it won't be that. It'll probably be a, a little, a little on the odd side. And also I I've had, I think some of my, some of my more encouraging songs or, um, written from a better place, uh, the music is on the slower side so right. yeah <laughs> you know it's a balance I guess. exactly yeah it works both ways yeah, yeah. so i'm recognizing other couple songs this one i mentioned that i really love um first of all with backburner oh thank you yeah thank you. yeah any like particular background behind that song
my co-writer um Anna Schulze and I had a duo called Roscoe and Etta. Okay. And that song was written kind of toward the end of us writing for uh our second project. And we we just finished it a little late and when I moved out of Los Angeles and she's still there and she started working on other stuff. I started working on other stuff. We didn't really know if, when we were going to have another Roscoe and Etta thing. And I just loved that song and I wanted to make sure that it got out there. And so we actually, um, I circled back around and we, we finished a couple things, added a couple lines here and there and really got it to a place where it felt right. And this happened, this has happened in the past with other, um, albums that was the last song to be finished recorded okay. mixed and ready and it ended up being the first single wow okay so there's something i don't know about that excitement it's like it i guess the the song is what it says it would not be kept on the back burner like right. yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of sitting there waiting for yeah for its opportunity and then it uh it worked it seemed to go over really well yeah absolutely now how much input do you have deciding like which you know single you're gonna put out there? Is it mainly you? Good balance yeah. between the record company? Or? Well, I these days the last two albums I am the record company. Right. So yeah. it used to be I've had five label deals over the years, okay. and it used to absolutely be a conversation. And I think I I think I've maybe first couple albums I think I pushed back and I had other ideas and then I I kind of let let them win eventually and then like third fourth album i was like you know what i'm the last person who sh who should choose this like yeah. i need the radio promoter to pick it i need the marketing director to pick it right. i don't i don't want to be the one that's really on the hook for the choice of the single also <laughs> right. but now i'm absolutely on the hook it's yeah. all me i'm making okay. all of these choices right yeah. is it difficult uh it wasn't for mercy rising okay. the first the first single back burner was pretty clear and for reckless thoughts the new one and yeah. these are the albums where it's absolutely me like i get to just say what it is yeah. um my independent radio promotion mmm mm music is awesome and they would chime in also mm -hmm. but i know that i could say look i really need to put you right. know all of our eggs in this song yeah and um so they fortunately agreed with my choice on the last record and with my choice on this record which is a right. song called she'll let herself out is going to be the radio single okay there's going to be a bunch of spotify singles yeah. first but then for the old school radio folks nice. it'll be she'll, she'll let herself out in august right.
Now, now, speaking of like the old school radio folks, you know, like, yeah. like me and like, you know, I'm sure you, you as well. Uh, is it still important to have fun on the radio? Is. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. Um, you know, maybe if you ask a 25 year old, they might not say the same thing. Right. I, I think, you know, especially those radio stations that are still important in their city that still have a local pull and they have yeah. a local flavor and they're not just programmed by the right. same person who's programming a hundred other stations. Those radio stations, like the one here in Nashville, you know, uh, uh, RLT, WRLT, right. um, they, they have a Nashville thing. They are loved in the community because they don't sound the same as Santa Fe, New Mexico and, yeah. you know, Boise, Idaho, you know, it's something right, different. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think it is important. And also I know for a fact that I've had people hear my songs on the radio and that's how they were interested in me as a writer. And then I got to write with another artist because that artist heard me on the radio. So it isn't always an obvious right. plus. It isn't always like, oh, I made some money because it got played on the radio. Sometimes it's that I got heard by the person that could help me do the next thing. Okay. That's great. And I discovered you, like I said, I'm going to be all over the place here, so forgive me. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, with your uh, Maya album in 2002. The, the second one, the yeah. second album, yeah, uh -huh. which I absolutely love. And you know, if people don't know, your father is Randy Sharp, who is a Grammy-winning songwriter. He is fantastic. He's written for a ton of people. And he actually co-produced that album with you, right? That second one? Yeah, I think uh, yeah. I think that Mark Addison, my dad, and I did kind of various permutations right. of the songs. Yeah, because some yeah. of them were pulled. There's This is probably a little bit more than you are asking about, but some okay. of them were pulled from a record that was made from my first record label, that uh it was going to be my second album for them and okay. it didn't come out because they had a distribution issue uh it got shelved it was totally okay. finished and shelved and then right. i pulled from that for okay. the next label right and anyway there's yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> well no, no actually i'm gonna ask you about that real quick then okay like, when an album gets shelved like that and like doesn't see the light of day i'm sure it's frustrating for you it's frustrating for oh, everybody it's heartbreak yeah now when can you actually regain that album and every every story is different, man. Yeah, and yeah. so many of us at this point, I've shared this story with a number of, you know, you know, singer songwriter friends who have been doing this for a while. It's like a rite of passage. It's like everybody's <laughs> done this at some right. point, made a thing and put everything you had into it and yeah. just sweat and tears and money and everything and nothing. 
it, it was never released. It yeah. got blocked. It, you know, somebody new got hired as the president of the label and they shelved everything that, that they didn't yeah. sign. There's just like, there's so many stories like that. Right. So mine was really one of many, many stories like that. In my case, my original label was friendly and understanding and they let me purchase uh, the tracks that I wanted to take with me to my next label, they let me buy those for a very low price, like less okay. than they paid to make them. So okay. I was extremely lucky. I have friends that are not so lucky where like some, usually a major label that just doesn't have the time to even deal with them, yeah. just keeps it for as long as whatever was in the contract, which is sometimes, uh, you know, five years, it could be yeah. 10, it could be 20, it could be until the all of the royalties run out, like who knows what it is, you know, everybody has their own thing right. that they signed. I yeah. was very lucky. Okay. Yeah, I just don't because you're not the first artist I've had on here, you know, mentioning that and I'm sure it won't be the last, but yeah, it's, I it mean, won't be. <laughs> yeah, it, but, but it's gotta be like, just for us to like, when you have like a new, like, you know, president of label come in, why wouldn't you kind of go back and see what worked? Because it's only beneficial for the record company to have something good come out. I mean, there's uh, there's so many ways that the human ego can yeah. work with other human egos. You never know right. what the real cause is. Is it financial? Is it a chip on your shoulder? Is it that your manager was a jerk? Is it that mm -hmm. the new, who knows? Right. I mean, it, I think often it ends up kind of shaking out okay. Like, I'm glad that I got off of ARC 21 and went over to Concord. That actually, I had to wait a little longer than I thought. But by the time the Concord record came out in 2002, yeah. you know, the, the original one for ARC 21 was going to come out like in 1999. Okay. By the, by the time the 2002 one came out, I had written a bunch more songs that I thought... Uh, that I liked more than like half of the songs that were going to be on okay. that original one. Yeah. So the one that you heard, the Concord one, I think is a better album okay. because I had those years and right. I was, that was my second album. Like you said, like I was early in my process. My very first one was in 1997 okay. and I had been writing for years for that. And then my second one was going to come around so fast. So I got like another couple years to like get something right happening yeah. that could compete with my first one i think so it's all right, right. okay yeah no i i love it so i'm glad you know we'll be able to uh <laughs> tweak it and stuff like that because like when you i guess your debut album which i've heard a bunch also was kind of like the golden age of this female singer songwriter mm -hmm. you know it's right before like little affair came out and everything else right. like that and you know you had a ton of amazing artists so and you were mm -hmm. just one of them as well but um Crimes of uh, the Witness, which I love that song on, on that album. Your father co-wrote that is with you as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you like kind of work with, with your father as a producer, engineer, whatever, uh, songwriter, how difficult is it to kind of separate your father from mm -hmm. your actually like say boss or co-writer or engineer or producer?
I don't know why it's so easy for us. Okay. It is, it is, it's not weird even 1%. He's okay. just such a cool guy. They were really young when yeah. they had me. They were both barely okay. 20. Okay. So we have, we have, yeah, he's my dad. And he obviously has more experience and which, all, which also he's always willing to share, but like, like always like without okay he never gives me unsolicited okay he's like if i ask he's there right he is always helping me out he showed me around the studio he helped me get like either just let me have or helped me find a lot of the gear that's around me that you can't see it on screen right (laughs) but he yeah and writing with him is super easy our humor is exactly the same i he was the first person that i ever wrote with so i know that the way i think about songs and just my priority in a in a song is very similar to his so we don't really clash ever because we're basically the same because i just because i learned from him so it's just like basically him writing with himself and 
Um, yeah, and even so, you know, like songs like Home, right? Like for the yeah. Dixie Chicks, we wrote that one together. Okay. And that's a like a hard, sad love song. But I never felt like, ooh, this is creepy. I'm writing a hard, sad love song with my family <laughs> member. Right. You know, it's just like, I know I'm writing this song with a great songwriter. Yeah. So it never, yeah, it never felt awkward. I could totally see why you asked that though, because I'm sure there are situations where it's like, I don't want to talk about this with my yeah. dad. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's always been fine. Okay. Uh, that's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like when you... um like you know like like work with him was this ever like not going to be in the cards being in the business like i know you want to be a saxophonist and stuff like that you know starting but like was this always going to be like you know your end game being in this business i always i always knew i was gonna write somehow and i then once i started playing saxophone i wanted to be a musician they never pushed me anywhere though like if i had said that's it i'm going to be a lawyer they would have supported yeah. that you know okay. they may have been a little disappointed that i wasn't a musician but that's <laughs> yeah. okay right um, but yeah pretty early on i think once i really fell for saxophone and i think i i started that seriously when i was maybe 12 okay. i knew okay i gotta do something in music i did not think that that thing was going to be me singing right. like okay. that's that was probably um i don't know six or seven years later where i really like owned that like okay you love to write songs you you like to play music but you're not going to find a home for every one of your songs that you want to get out there so you're gonna have to be the artist yourself but like it was at first it was like oh damn it right i know i don't want to be at the center of the stage i don't want to do the interviews right you know, I'm totally fine now, by the way. But, yeah, you know, I figured as much. <laughs> when it first started out, it's like, oh, I just want to be this writer side person, you know? Yeah. And But then once I started doing it, I started kind of feeling the song, you know, yeah. as a singer too. Right. And getting over the stage nerves. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think really performing is just flight hours. Like the only way to really get okay at it is to just go up there and do it. Like right. to get... And to probably be clumsy and awkward and scared the first few times or the first few hundred times, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. But then I, anyway, so I logged a, enough flight hours to yeah. now, to now really enjoy it. Right. And, and another thing that happened over the years that I've just realized recently is that I started like I surrounded myself with friends. Like my first band was like seven piece, okay. and then it, then it was five, hmm. and then it was a trio, yeah. and then it was a duo. And now it's just me solo and it's just like, oh, I can, yeah. I feel the power of that now, right. which is a huge change from where I started. I used to be scared out of my mind to get up on a stage alone. And now it's like, I would rather be alone. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that made sense having that support system behind you. And then when you're out there, you're, you're, you're the front woman, you're out there. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize you're back there at the time, I'm sure. So being well, out there yourself is just, okay, great. I'm there. Yeah. I mean, at least over the, after all these years of knowing that it's going to be okay. And also just as importantly, knowing that when it's not okay, like when the power goes out in the room and there's no more sound, if you forget the entire second verse, if you feel like hell and your throat Mm. is not responding, it's still okay. You know, people still are enjoying just the hang. Everybody lived. 
yeah you know, exactly you know it's right. really gonna be all right so once once i let all that kind of settle yeah. in it's it's all right. fine yeah <laughs> I'm, and I'm sure your audiences are always understanding anyway. So yeah, and 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 it's like a part. You know, if you forget a line, it's it's a part of the charm. Like that, yeah. you, you want it perfect. You listen right. to the record. If you want exactly. it live, we're gonna have yeah. a conversation now. It's right. cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw Jacob Dylan once, and he forgot a line or a song. He's like, "All right, give me a sec." You know, he's like, "It's like it wasn't coming to him." I'm like, "Oh shit." Yeah. And then he's like, crowd, help me out. And then the crowd just sang it for him. He's like, thank yes. you. And then he just went. Yeah. And, and the now, crowd loved it. Yeah. It yes. Was, yeah. And, and that's a story that you remember from the show. Absolutely. You, you know? made a mark. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't believe you forgot the line. I'm like, he forgot the line. He asked us. We sang. He loved it. The crowd loved it. You know, that's what music is about, you know? I love that. Yeah. yeah. Now, another song on that album crooked crown which is i love that song you actually had bonnie Raitt cover it a couple of years later so I, I know she's an idol of yours she's fantastic and she's going through some stuff right now so i wish her well but um how did that like relationship come about like working with her and like writing for her Well, I wish I could say I had her do it, but she found it okay. and chose it and wanted to do it. Okay. Um, how did it, uh, my co, let me see. I originally got those songs to her because my co-writer, David Bateau, he wrote, uh, we wrote uh, Crooked Crown and uh, uh, The Bed I Made together. Okay. He had already had a Bonnie Raitt cut um in the 70s so he had a relationship with her right. and i actually he had had another one cut in the 90s like early 90s i think um so he pitched the songs to her and she liked those and i think i was kind of 
on on her mind or at least she she knew me as a writer after she chose those two songs so then when she heard i don't want anything to change yeah uh pitched to her through one of my co-writers publishers it was liz rose's publisher jody williams pitched to her so um then she recorded that one too so i ended up having three on that record right barely even handle that i mean i've been (laughs) such a bonnie fan um just forever i mean she was playing in the house for as long as i can remember and so soulful and just like exactly the way i wanted to like write and sing and treat a song it was just yes so that she was going to record those songs um was overwhelming and then she called she her office emailed and asked if i wanted to come into the studio to recreate some of the background vocals and some of the saxophone that i had put on the original demo that she heard yeah i mean yeah let me think about it you know of course yeah (laughs) so um I came in and did that. And that's when we met for the first time. And I will never forget walking into that studio on sunset. I walked in and she's in the lobby and she goes, Maya, so nice to meet you. And holds out her hands and gives me a big hug. Like we've known each other forever. Oh, that's great. Oh my God. I'm I'm still, I don't know. It just, it landed hard. She rocked that. And then we sang together she asked me to come sit in with her. She saw that I didn't fall apart on stage and <laughs> asked me to open for her for oh. a day. And then we started hanging on the road. And then when we had an opportunity to hang just yeah. in town, this is when I was still living in Los Angeles and right. she had a place in LA and like she, we just started hanging and now we're friends. That's like awesome. the real deal. Like yeah. it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild (laughs) (laughs) right she's so earthy and so cool and it is like we have known each other for 20 years and we're actually creeping up on that because we met in 2005 right so has there been any like other people like you idolized that you've been able to write for so far um I mean, I've been really lucky that everybody that has recorded my songs has done a great job. And I was generally already a fan of theirs. Uh, the Chicks did an yeah. in- incredible job. Keb Moe, Trisha Yearwood, Terry Clark, Edwin McCain. Uh, really, yeah. really nice. Um, Kathy Matea, and I've had a chance to see her because she... You know, you know, she hosts the mountain stage. Right. So I just did a mountain stage with her. Um, I did get to write. Uh, she didn't personally record our song, but I did get to write with Carol King. Okay. Um, really early on, like before my first album was out. So I was oh. young and scared out of my mind <laughs> and at a writing retreat in France. So I'm also okay. like working on no sleep and just i couldn't believe it on the second day of the writing camp they put me with carol king wow and she was incredible just like jeans and a t-shirt just there to work loves the songwriting never pulled the carol card never just like we're all in the same world we're all just looking at a blank page and we're gonna write a song and she's funny and cool and supportive and that was that was huge what was like the biggest takeaway you got from her that she's in it for the work. 
she's in it because she loves it. Right. I got, I mean, I didn't actually point Blake ask her this, but I got the impression that if she hadn't made an album that sold a billion copies, she would still be doing exactly yeah. this just because she loves, she loves it. She loves to turn a phrase and she loves a story and she loves the melodies and she just, she just loves the work. Right. And that's, and that's what's important. And that's how, that's how you survive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when you wrote your first song? My very first song? My yeah. very first song, I was um, five. Okay. And I remember my dad, because he had a, a tape recorder handy pretty much all, all the time. Yeah. I think I told him I, I had a song that I wanted to sing him, and so he 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 recorded it. Yeah. But I didn't. I wasn't really writing songs since then. I just did that one and right. started writing songs again. Really, after I started playing sax, I was like, Okay, this is cool, but I yeah. wanna I wanna write. Right. I wanna see if I can write. So that was probably the beginning of college. I started to right. write songs. And I'm sure the first many were not any good. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the process. Right. Yeah. Um was there ever a song you written for somebody else that you wanted to keep for yourself? Never have had that attitude. Okay. It's it really the the more the merrier i i love that these songs are getting a life and it has never precluded me from putting it on my own album i might have to delay it yeah um like i had i had a song that was scheduled for an album and the artist asked if i could just wait until her album came out and then can i just put mine on the next one i was like yes that's no problem so my song's either going to get only my life or it's going to get yours and mine like of course yeah so yeah yeah, it's never i had friends early on that were proprietary about it like they thought it was their big breakout single and so they didn't want anybody to get and i can understand that but i've been i've been working in you know triple a indie rock small to medium label size i if faith hill wants to cut my song it's not gonna it's only going to help me, right. you know? Yeah. Cause you, then you had like, I don't want to change. You don't want anything to change. You had that. that yeah. Bonnie did. And then you ended yeah. up that on right. your album. So yeah. You know. Right. I did that. I did that one later. Yeah. The bet I made, I did. I right. postponed that one too. Yeah. But it's, it, it worked. And then those songs have a story already when I, when they come in on my album, Hey, right. you, maybe you heard this a couple of years back. Yeah. It's, it's just, it all helps. Right. And then I love Paul Carrick. I think he's amazing. Oh, you were God, able to. So cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, it goes without saying for him. Yes. Yeah. So was that just something that he was like publishing? He was able to get that song from you or how did that come about?
Well, interestingly, that was the same retreat that uh, Carol and I wrote. Okay. At. So it was um, a castle in the south of France, and the head of my label at the time, Miles Copeland, right. had the castle, and he brought together okay. 21 writers. I ended up, because I was writing for Miles, I ended up going eight times. So I'm not sure if the Paul Carrick time was with the Carol King time, but right. there's, it was crazy. Like there was time with the Go-Go's and the Bangles and yeah. Rick Astley and Lisa. Oh, wow. I met, I met her there. Lisa is great. Yeah. So Paul Carrick, Chuck Cannon and I were assigned a day there mm -hmm. and we're, we're all writing. And uh, I think we, I think Chuck and I were leaning on like, okay, Paul, let's write one for you. And he's like, well, I don't know if I... he was so humble. Everything he said, he prefaced yeah. it with, well, this is probably shite. And then he would say <laughs> the idea and it would be brilliant. And then he would right, sing right. it and it would sound like the freaking record just yeah. in the room right? Like, with not even playing it. It's like, it, it was, he's such a talent. Yeah. So he finally, we finally won and we started writing a song for him and okay. then he really loved it and he put it on that on that album oh that's great yeah did anything come about with rick ashley that's got to be an interesting story uh, he's hilarious by yeah. the way he's really funny and witty um yeah. he doesn't take himself seriously but at he's all no <laughs> seriously wonderful writer i got to write a couple songs with him yeah. and none of yeah neither of those songs ended up on on one of okay. his albums but i really like them right i mean because everyone knows all those like pop hits but he had a song oh, yeah. I think I which, which album was like called cry for help and it's mm. such an amazing powerful song that it's just like you don't expect it from him he's got such a great voice and it really shows yeah. in, in that song it comes out absolutely but amanda marshall's another one yeah and like i'm so happy that she can she came out with a new album recently like oh, I haven't heard month. it. I need to check yeah, it out. Yeah, I haven't heard it either, but I know I, th I think it just came out last month. So, oh, okay. yeah. So, thank well, you. What was it? You wrote like, uh, was it Wishful Thinking? I think with yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I wrote, so I wrote uh, Wishful Thinking with Randy Cantor, and mm -hmm. he was working with her. Okay. Um, he was playing piano for sure. He may have even been producing. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but definitely keyboards. And um, he brought that song to her. And uh, yeah, she sang it. She yeah. sang the hell out of it. I'm so glad that she's back.
was safe and secure when you were with me but it only could last to the day that she took you back again so i get by Has there ever been a time when an artist like perform recorded the song and you weren't really thrilled with it? Wasn't thrilled with it. Um, Obviously, you're not going to tell me the artist, which is fine. But yeah. I mean, like, you know, I gotta say, no. Good. Okay. Good. I'm always like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. you know, maybe it's a little, it's a little more downplayed, or maybe it's faster, or you know. A couple of them, like there's a word change, but it's not it's not a critical word for the story. It's like instead of run, it's go, you know, something like yeah. that. Like okay, um, but um, no, I've been I've been really lucky. I know <laughs> my dad probably doesn't want me to say this, but I know <laughs> that a couple he's had so many songs recorded by other artists right i know that there are a couple where he was like that should have just stayed on the hard drive <laughs> it's like, why did you put that yeah. out that's okay you don't have to put my name on that and that's right fine. exactly it's fine <laughs> yeah. change it up yeah 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 and you, you both um written for art garfunkel yeah uh, yeah so does, yeah does art have a favorite between the two of you uh between between you and your uh, father? <laughs> oh, between dad and me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's, I mean, I, I got to work with Art a lot. Yeah. In fact, uh, I got him to listen to dad's song because Art asked me to produce two songs on like, uh, 
he wasn't calling it um a greatest hits he was like curating a a double album thing of 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 all of his favorites but he wanted to put two new songs on right i played him a couple songs and to Mm -hmm. see if maybe those are a good fit for the new songs Mm -hmm. and one of them was uh, a song of my dad's that i had loved since i was a kid and art loved it and sang the hell out of it so i don't know which one <laughs> yeah which one of us he would uh he right. would, song he would rather sing but art is a wonderful writer himself you know i got to write with him yeah for that album that we made um uh in the early o's okay. uh, yeah and people don't realize that that he's a really good writer yeah well you he know? had i think until our record he had only written in prose like he he wasn't writing on those early albums of, of right. theirs yeah but he's he is a his mind works in this beautiful way it's he's just such a poet and that he it 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 definitely worked right so who are some like your like like songwriters that you like admire right now um god i have a bunch i'm trying to think of my playlist like the one that i go to on the airplane when i just want to right forget that i'm on an airplane you know yeah uh big jason isbell fan i love the way love the way he writes uh let me see uh madison cunningham okay um let me see rustin kelly uh bon iver is one of my all-time faves and i most of the time i have no idea what he's saying and i think that's part of it it's right. just part of the love yeah musical emotion and i i don't know it it activates other things like i don't i'm not analyzing anything right. i'm just feeling it all you know yeah. so that's so that's probably the allure but i listen to a lot of him um yeah i mean you know some of the old some of the the folks that have been around a little bit too uh bonnie Raitt and ricky yeah. lee jones um joni mitchell uh paul simon yeah. you know i still go back to them yeah and you just mentioned something that's like kind of intriguing about kind of like over analyzing a song like you know bonavere now is it like they kind of take away from the song if you kind of like over analyze it a little bit too much instead of just like putting on it and enjoying it it can it yeah. definitely can yeah and sometimes that's all fine or sometimes even with the over analytical hat on you hear a song and it just checks all the boxes and you got yeah. nothing you like even when you're just thinking from here up and yeah. listening to the song it still rocks so right. there are definitely a handful of writers out there where every time i listen man there's some new great layer i mean prime you know i'm still discovering yeah. you know some older prime that i i wasn't aware right. of i yeah. just haven't really listened to you know with my full focus yeah. it's, it's so it's so cool how he dances on the storytelling how you know the literal to yeah. the kind of it could go anywhere that you need it to go yeah. like you can apply that lyric to your life at any yeah. point in your life like that's right. the kind of writing that i aspire to yeah right and that brings me up to the next point which is kind of a good segue uh, i had darden smith on last year 
and I okay. loved, loved art and fantastic. You evolved with songwriting with soldiers, and I know you you wow. are, and like obviously, you know, putting together songs about dealing with soldiers' lives and feelings. So, how did you get involved in that, and just like to share your experiences with that? He's how I got involved. Okay, with it. yeah. Uh, I, uh, Darden and I had written probably ten years before before I got the phone call, and okay. he called me. I'll never forget the phone call because yeah. he's like, "Hey, Maya, it's Darden." Yeah, <laughs> and I thought like it's like, you know, hey, you know, I'll be coming through L.A. You know, do you want to write? He's like, okay, so, but it wasn't that. It was okay. so. I've started this thing, and he told me what it is yeah. that a songwriter comes in and writes with either one veteran active duty service member and or family member or a group of them. Right. And we just hear their story and translate that into a song. We're not, it's not a co-write. We're not putting our own experience into it. Yeah. We're not like trying to meet them in the middle. It, we really, the one of the many things that I love about it is that there's no room for me in that room. I have, I get a vacation from myself, right? like in no other situation. I, I, I have no ego. I don't really even have a past. I just come in there like, okay, I'm going to take your words. And does this vibe feel right for your words? Does it want to be soulful? Does it want to be bluesy? Does it want to be angry? You know, what does it want to be? Okay. Let's form. That sounds like the chorus to me. That sounds like the verse. Let's kind of make it rhyme and make the scheme a little bit more. How about a bridge? Okay. I make their song from their words and their story. Yeah. And it's so challenging and pretty terrifying every time right. I do it. And I've done it now many, many times. <laughs> and every time is like, oh God, is this the time that I suck? Is this the time where I can't find it in the room where yeah. I don't get enough, where my song machine isn't working fast enough because we right. only have two to three hours to do it depending okay. on on the on the if, if it's a retreat or the other format yeah. which has to go even faster so um yeah i i am wrung out and filled up and exhausted and challenged mm -hmm. and ha I'm, I'm i'm so thankful for this work it, it gets me outside of myself. Like the thing that I just said earlier in this interview, you know, I know at the end of the show, everybody's going to live, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, I probably won't get shot at. I probably didn't lose a loved one. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it's a show. Right. And exactly. we're, we're all, we're all just hanging out, you know, and that's the transaction and it, you know, and it's a, you know, it can be a meaningful, heavy thing, but it's not these other experiences that I hear about in the rooms with soldiers and veterans. And it really changed my my perspective on what constitutes scary okay. and a problem and, you know, life going well or not. Yeah. Like it, it just, it flipped me around in such a great way. I, I'm so thankful to him for that phone call. And I remember also when he told me what it was and that he was going to ask me to do it. Yeah. I was like white as a sheet. I was like, yeah. I was so 
filled with fear at that, like, oh my God, I, I have the responsibility of writing their story in a short amount of time, which I had never done to that point. I'm usually the one in the room that takes a day or two, or I come yeah. back to it in a week. Yeah. You can't do that. It's beginning to end yeah. in that small time. I was so, it scared the crap out of me so much that I knew I had to say yes. I couldn't not find out if I could do that. And I'm so happy that I did because now it's become a uh, a major part of my life and a major part of, I think, who I am as a person, not even as a writer. It's yeah. like just being in the rooms with those brave people, brave not just for their service, but for coming to this place to talk about it. Opening up, yeah. Opening up about this hard stuff to somebody who is not in the military. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm sure there were times when they were kind of less than forthcoming to like open up at first. Right. And like when that happens, like, what do you do? Do you try to like help out? Do you just kind of wait for them just to do it on their own? We are, we are not a therapist. Like I, right. I wouldn't, I don't ever offer advice. I mean, I, I will freely say that you know i'm sorry that that happened happened yeah. absolutely and i i mean there are times too where it gets real am i allowed to swear absolutely <laughs> absolutely i mean there i definitely have heard of heard experiences where i'm like that's so fucked up i'm so sorry yeah. you know you know and also like where they were fucked over by uh, other people they were working with you know yeah, so and I can, and I've absolutely would express that. Um, and I'll ask, you know, I do ask questions, but never ever framed in a way that implies that I think I understand how they're feeling. Um, and also never in an advice role, just like, you know, well, and also the song can be about anything that they want. So right. if they want to pivot and it gets to be about a lighter thing, that's still a celebration of something. That's yeah. still something that they want to play over and over again. I want to make them something that they're going to want to hear over and over again. Right. So if they don't want to hear the darkest, you know, a song about the corner of the darkest place of their mind, then we won't write that. Did any of them, like after working with you or any of the other like songwriters, decide to pursue this? Um, I know that some have been like it's been in the back of their minds, like oh, I've I've been kind of playing the guitar, and then you know I set it down, and I just yeah. haven't found the time. And I know that they're like, okay, well this one is going to fire me up now. I'm I'm going to learn this, and I've definitely like written the chords above the lyrics a few times, yeah. or you know, you know, like kind of scribbled out a chart for them or in fact a guy from the last retreat i still owe him i promised i would take a video of my hands so he okay. could see exactly how i'm playing yeah. our song you know so yeah hopefully i i don't do a whole lot of follow-up every now and then we'll do like a zoom reunion but it doesn't happen all the time so i'm, I'm not sure how many have really followed through with it yeah. but I right has the experience made you a better songwriter I think it has. I think, I mean, 
you know, what is a better or worse, really? I don't know what that, but it's- Or, it's, or change you as a songwriter, better. 100%, absolutely has changed me. I don't know if my, my longtime co-writers, like in this environment, I don't know if they would notice so much, but man, I, I certainly do. I feel, I feel, I feel more fearless about it. Like, um, I'll throw things out. I'll move faster. Um, I'll, I don't know. I'll be able to rule things out a little faster. I mean, that just comes from having to do it, you right. know, in two hours, which was yeah. never, um, a thing. With the four songwriting soldiers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Has has your songwriting process like changed like over the years? Um probably because my inspiration to write a song has changed. The last particularly with Mercy Rising. This happened a probably a couple of albums before Mercy. Um I was starting to incorporate more real life experience like letting myself write about about the harder things right or about the bigger changes um but there would just be like one or two on an album up to there that were like really like digging in the dirt everything has a little bit of truth in it yeah anywhere from a little to a lot but there was one or two that were 100 mm percent -hmm. and then Mercy, though, there was just so much going on, so many things that I had to get out yeah. that all of those are just ripped from the real life headlines. And then once I got, and I think writing for songwriting with soldiers was a part of that. I know now what it feels like to write a song about a true thing, about a hard, true thing. Yeah. Even though it wasn't my story that I'm writing in those rooms, the power of telling a true story for the person who tells it, for the person who hears it, who thought that they were alone and now they know that they're not, for right. the person who gets to observe the power of that truth exchange, it's just too much to leave on the table. Like, I, why would I make something up, yeah. even just partially? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm now fiercely loyal to telling mm -hmm. true things, mm -hmm. and so this this new record too is like. You know, there's one that was written years ago when mm -hmm. my truth was a different one, but it was still, it was still true, yeah. you know, and it's on there now. And um, all the other ones are just like, I got to get this out. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, can you relate to, like, you have, like, obviously, you said you had one song from the past, you put on, you know, put on a new album, but how often does that happen? when you have like older songs that you want to put on like a newer album and can you still relate to those songs? Yeah, it actually happens pretty often. I think most of the albums, there's something where there's just a song that's been sitting on the shelf, kind of waiting for its time. And I don't want it to sit for one more album cycle. I want to put it on there. And so every album has at least one of those. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it can be, it can, yeah, it can be harder to relate like when I'm playing live to like really get into that zone because I'm not in that place in my life anymore. Right. But if I can, you know, as the producer of it, if I can musically make it something that is a common thread with the other songs and that is enjoyable enough to listen to, then it feels fine. It's not like it's the odd man out, you know, I yeah. think it's going to be fine. Right. 
how often like you ran into someone and they say, oh, I love this particular song, this particular album, and this song means so much to me. And they explain what it means to them. And it's not intended. Not what it means. <laughs> not what it means. Do, you, do you just say, thank you. I appreciate it. That's great. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. However yeah. you want to take it, whatever it needs yeah. to mean to you is right. right. Yeah. yeah. I've absolutely had people say that. Like, okay. I have a song on my last album and they thought it was a love song and it's a heartbreak, but they need to them. It was love. Okay. Just, just that like, great. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which one was that? I love you. Whatever we are. Yep. Okay. <laughs> just not today. The first of our kind or the oldest cliche. Right down the middle, or missed it by far. I love you, whatever we are. Kick in the habit, or up in the doze. Two airplanes flying uncomfortably close. Over light from a long gone star. I love you, whatever we are. And we've been it all. Still don't have a clue. Where you are.
Do you remember where you were when you first heard one of your songs on the radio? Ooh. That would have been I, I Need This To Be Love in okay. 1997 when I was on the road promoting the first album and probably I probably heard it on my way to the radio station to oh, wow. do on air. Okay. They were playing it to advertise that I was on my way in and, you know, yeah. I'd be in in just a couple minutes. And that, so I'm driving up to it here in myself. Yeah. That's wild. It's, it's surreal. Like it takes you a minute. I left the town that was my future to ride along with you. You said I'm going to California. So I was going to California too. You get a thrill from causing trouble. Life has offered nothing more. So we kept it to the back roads. Looking for an easy score. I need this to be loved. I need this to be loved this time. It's the only reason good enough. We stole our way across Nebraska. The great divide. We thundered through the canyons, looking for a place to hide. Swept away by your ambition, my family's name can save me now. So turn the key in the ignition. And if our freedom will allow, I need this to be loved. I need this to be loved this time. It's the only reason I need this to be loved. I need this to be loved this time. It's the And if we make the 
What about like the most interesting place? You were out somewhere and all of a sudden you hear yourself and you're like. I feel like I have heard myself. Oh my God. Delta Airlines. <laughs> that, <laughs> I think that was it. I was, right. I was getting seated. I was just like looking for my seat and the music is so low and there's so much other noise going on yeah. and rustling and babies and suitcases and right. overhead bins. And I'm, always in a bad mood when i get on an airplane because i know and i just like oh i just like and i get into my seat and i and i just like uh, and i'm like uh i want to know what's underneath and i wait what wait (laughs) that's me and i want to be like hey hey that's me yeah right then i look like an asshole so i didn't do that right they just tell you to put your seatbelt on and like shut up right (laughs) yeah exactly i think i texted my co-writers i think that was (laughs) right (laughs) Hey, this is happening. And I've yeah. heard friends on Delta too. And I was like, hey, dude, I hear you. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. But my, I love this interview. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, Reckless Thoughts comes out August 18th, right? Mm-hmm. It's my wife's birthday. So at least I know I'll get her for right. cool. her birthday. Yeah. But um, yeah, I really appreciate your time and best of luck. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And a special thanks to Maya for joining me today. Reckless Thoughts comes out on August 18th. You can follow her on Twitter or X at Maya Sharp. Her website is mayasharp.com. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the person all one nine or like the page really my youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically wherever you can find a podcast. New episode comes in every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.